Let's face it, Brit happens. Success is rarely a straight line. It's a journey with many twists, turns, potholes, and unwelcome detours. The secret, however, lies in how we react. Keep listening to learn how to effectively respond to life's curveballs, improve your resilience, and how winners pivot from setbacks to success. I'm your host, Brittany Sharpton. Let's get started. I am super excited to welcome today's Brit Happens podcast guest, Miami-Dade Commissioner and Miami-Dade Mayoral Candidate, Xavier Suarez. Welcome, Commissioner. How are you? Oh, well, excellent. Now when I see your smiling face, that brings a smile to my face. And uh, of course, we're, we've known each other for so many years. I think maybe since you were a little baby. Yes, yes. You were first elected mayor, the first Cuban-born mayor of Miami in an excellent year, 1985, when I was born. I support from a certain Daryl Sharpton, I might add. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you for his shout-out. You didn't want me to say that, okay? <laughs> you are a pioneer. You're a huge proponent of diversity, which I want to touch upon a little bit later. But one wanted to see how you were doing, how's your family, especially in light of COVID. I'm sure you do a lot more. Zoom. Well, the new wave uh, has hit a lot of young people. Thank God, I don't think it's as serious as the first wave. I think this thing has actually mutated. But uh, uh, one of them, I think you know pretty well, Stevie, my uh, my nephew, uh, by my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law, Steve and Nettie, and he just contracted the virus yesterday. So <laughs> we were we were talking. My wife and I were talking to him, and also. Marcelo and uh, and Christina, Rita's niece, I think you know them too. You know, he was a state representative. Right. Um, he ran for mayor uh, and, and lost to Jimenez, I think, first time around maybe, in 2011. And uh, his daughter is 16 years old and, and she has the virus. But again, I think and I hope that this is a milder form. Hopefully, and I hope people are now more aware there's more testing and Prayerfully, everyone will be fine. God has been good to me, you know, my health-wise. You know, 20 years ago, if if you asked me to, you know, play with the grandchildren, throw a football around, well, 20 years ago, I didn't have any grandchildren, but with my own kids, um, I would have had issues with my, my rotator cuffs and then a hammer toe. I have cured all of that. I can run. I can throw a football. And I still accept every once in a while a challenge either to swim play basketball or uh, tennis, those three sports, any of my opponents, you know. And I think I saw that you enjoy watching, it was like a three-point basketball competition with your grandkids, like in February or something? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, that was cute. It was actually three on three at uh, my old stomping grounds of uh, Varick Park, uh, where I can tell stories about playing hustle. People that don't know what hustle is like, uh, and, and I would win a lot because I, I, I'm a pretty good uh, basketball player. Jumping and, and, uh, and driving, you know, I'm, I'm fast and I could jump, but uh, in the old days I could. Still in excellent health, enjoying all the recreational activity in Miami. We are now about 53 days out from the primary. That was my count, 53, maybe 52. Okay, 52. With August 18 quickly approaching, what is your doable vision to make Miami-Dade County a more enjoyable place to live? And will you scorecard it for accountability? 
Yeah, and, and let me add something that I've tried to bring out in the debates, including the one that we had last night. I hope everybody gets a chance to watch it in, in Luther Campbell's Facebook page. Because it was a, a very good debate and it was lengthy, two hours. And I didn't get to make this point. I want to make a, an important point here. We're not just electing a mayor on August 18th. We're electing either six or seven new commissioners. Uh, I'm not supporting one of the incumbents. Um, and so um, there may be a change there. And then I'm supporting candidates in five seats. One of them uh, that's going to be the number six seat is the Daniela Levine-Cava seat, which can't go to election, but watch out for Daniel Cohen Higgins, okay? Not Daniela, Daniel Cohen Higgins. Uh, unfortunately, that seat will now be up uh, on August and, and in November, August 18th and in November, because uh, the incoming commissioner did not resign on time. Um, and I don't want to criticize her. She's running for mayor. And I don't even want to mention her name. But so we have an opportunity to elect a new majority on the commission. There were no term limitations before. These folks would get reelected and reelected and reelected. Um, and now we have an opportunity to have a whole new commission. And I'm excited about that because a lot of stuff, particularly in the area of transportation and affordable housing, uh, but in other areas too, just, just simply reform of the procurement system, uh, reform of, of the bureaucracy uh, of the, you know, I call them the one percenters in government. We have 4,000 people making over $100,000 and we don't have enough people to have one employee for each park in the county. Uh, we have so many changes that we need to make and, and we have a whole new commission and a whole new mayor by definition because the incumbent mayor is turned up. Um, and so, you know, it, 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 it's just an incredible opportunity to do the mass transit system, the smart plan, rail down south, rail all the way uh, in the north quarter. We can do those two right off the bat. And here's how, quantitatively. The half cent still produces $275 million a year. It's gone down a little bit because of the uh, virus, but not much. Thank God, people are still buying things. Um, the half cent um, will produce enough that is not bonded or not pledged to the cities for the trolleys. We don't want to touch the, the trolleys. The trolleys are amazing. People are going to work for free. They get on the trolley, they get on the Metro Mover, that's free. Eventually, they link to the beach, hopefully free for commuters. And, uh, and so we'll be able to issue bonds right close to my election uh, as soon as I do a mid-year budget. We don't have to wait for the next budget to start creating the, the savings that we need to, to do the smart plan. And I expect to have $100 million bondable. The multiplier, and I'm sure you're good at finance terms, the multiplier for the bonds that are issued by the CITT, the agency that handles the half cent, is 18 to 1. With $100 million of revenues that we free up from being used for operations and maintenance, something should never have happened. Uh, we will have enough to, to do $1.8 billion of bonding. That's enough for the North and the South quarter. Uh, then we can talk about what we're doing with the Northeast quarter. So we can fund those two right away. And then here's another important one that has been stalled by the powers that be, which are going to change in August, on August 18th. The Northeast quarter, the one train track that is in place, sponsored by the private sector, 
Okay, it was paid for by Brightline. They built that at a cost of $1.8 billion. And they're trying to get us now to pay for five stations at $350 million total and another um, subsidy that adds up to $2.7 billion. That's nonsense. What we already have in place, thanks to the city of Miami, thanks to Francis, thanks to Keon Hardiman, is we have a deal the city has in Tri-Rail where we can use the line all the way from downtown to 74th Street, going by Lemon City, Midtown, going by Wynwood, and then Poinciana and Liberty City, and then all the way to Hialeah. And that line can be activated as soon as we get something that's called positive train control, okay? Um, I'm sure that the bureaucrats are gonna come up with an acronym and call it PTC, okay? Positive train control is just a, a system where you keep track of where the trains are so they don't hit each other, like we do with airplanes. And so that line can be activated at no cost for the use of the line, okay? Because the city and Tri-Rail negotiated that for the downtown station, using CRA money, by the way. Francis and, and Keon Hardiman led that battle. And what, by the way, any resident of Overtown can use the line in perpetuity, forever, for free, all the way to Fort Lauderdale, not having to pay any fares, which of course is what we want to do for the rest of us too, to not have to pay. And, and that's the other aspect of my campaign. I finally just said, look, and I did it before the campaign started in earnest. You know, I did it a few months ago when I saw that, uh, that uh, uh, Kansas City with the new mayor, Quentin Lucas, uh, within a few months of being elected, he'd already proposed to make all public transit free. That's what the word public means. And it means that uh, at least the part of our disposable income that's going to uh, transit, that's going to, you know, getting you back and forth from work um, will be essentially zero. And that will really improve the lives of people in, in the county. I am incredibly excited too about not only a new mayor, but a new commission, some fresh blood. So this election is incredibly important. And you answered my question too. I wanted to know what we could expect from S squared. I call it Suarez and Suarez. I think that it's timely that 30 years later, you're able to give your son Francis some advice in terms of trying to connect with the people. I think the term you use need to be people to people, touch to touch, but not too, not too hard, I think you said, which was funny. Well, you saw that in, that was a piece that was done by was funny. Tony Pipitone in Channel 6, I think. Right, right. You want to touch and be touched, but not too much. Right, and that kind of rhymed. I laughed when I, when I saw yeah. that. Can you share with us, in case people didn't get to see a clip of that, interview. This was about uh, 1989. Right now, there are protests that are going on and the, the issues of race relations, injustices, and inequities are, again, thankfully, light is being shined on this. But this is nothing new. And it's not an overnight fix. But you're also, unfortunately, very familiar with this. And you received national admiration and acclaim for how you handled the situation. What advice have you given to Francis? I think he's doing an incredible job and an amazing statesman. You have to be there. I was talking about this last night with Uncle Luke. I mean, you can't just, you know, sit downtown and say, I'm going to impose a curfew or I'm going to close the beaches like uh, the county mayor did. You, ha you have to be there. Francis went out and he talked to people, the protesters, and he gave them his phone on uh, Facebook. Uh, it came out on Facebook. 
I, I didn't do quite that, but I was out there in 1989, and Pepitone said for the first time at Channel 6 that I actually wanted to spend the night in Overtown with the family. Because to me, at that particular point, that family of Clement Lloyd was my family. I mean, I'm the mayor, that's my people, and that's where people are suffering. So um, that, that's the first thing. But it's not just when there's a shooting or when there's a racial uh, tension or anything like that. It, it's all the time. And, uh, you know, when there's protests, when I, I, I've always gone to whenever people are gathered and they're upset about something or they're supportive of something, try to be with them, try to get to know their lives and their neighborhoods and their friends. In my uh, uh, nine years as commissioner, my main task was the West Grove, as far as where people were in, in a particular need uh, and, and somewhat impoverished. We had the West Grove and we had South Miami. Uh, the inner city in South Miami. Both have flourished. Uh, I'm so proud of what we've done in the West Grove uh, and very proud also of what Neil Shiver and the city have done in Overtown. Um, but anyhow, as to the West Grove, we started the after-school programs. I call them envelopes of safety. I don't know if you remember that a bullet went through the, the school, um, the school room, I guess one of those portables, you know, ones. And so, you know, immediately I, I gave it a name, uh, which actually came from a superintendent, uh, Envelope Safety, and we started funding after-school programs. I also asked the superintendent if he would move Patricia Faircloth, who is the vice mayor of uh, Homestead, to Carver. So finally, both both of those things were done. We did the after-school programs, and both Carver and Francis Tucker are now a school in three or four years. And you know, after-school programs in STEM. And after-school programs in martial arts and and um, musical instruments and, and all of the uh, uh, all of the performing arts is extremely important because kids love to stay after school. The the number of kids that miss out on school, the uh, whatever the term is, uh, I don't want to call it truancy, but I know it's got another name. You know, missing school went from you know like uh, twelve percent to almost like zero in those schools because of the after-school programs. Uh, everybody wants to engage in this. And of course, they get home at 5 p.m. instead of at 3 p.m. when there might not be a mommy, there might not be a daddy, there might just be an auntie or a grandmother or somebody who isn't quite able to, to, to uh, take care of them as, as well as parents can. So we've done that in the Grove. We've done that in, um, in um, South Miami. We now have almost... Uh, totally off the ground, almost completed, uh, thanks to my former aide, Evan Fancher, who took over the CRA over there, a beautiful project, a mixed-use project, right smack in the middle of South Miami and uh, Madison Square. It's going to be finished in September. I told everybody, look, I may or may not get elected, but before November, I want to speed up everything that's going on in my district. It took a little while in the case of the historic Black Beach because the county and its mayor that in order to build that project, you need to have the cost of operations, the operational budget for the next 30 years, which is crazy. You know, the way I look at things, if I have money that was approved in 2004, building better communities, general obligation bottom, and you know, 16 years later, we haven't built the darn thing. So I got very involved and I got the city, and I put money from my own budget, and we showed that there are, there is enough money for the operations of that facility and it's now getting ready to be built too. It hasn't been easy. So that's the kind of energy that we have to put into the entire district. You know, 
so far, I was not given all the resources to do the whole county, but uh, with $9 billion uh, of the state of the operating capital budget of the county, and with seven new commissioners, we're going to do some, some amazing things in the county. And of course, with, uh, with your support and your dad's and your sister who almost moved in next to me. That's a funny story. Yes, absolutely. Again, I'm super excited and enthusiastic and I can feel your excitement too. The education improvement in such a short amount of time is awesome, you know, up until 12th grade. An issue I find here in Miami-Dade County is brain drain. You obviously are super highly educated. Villanova, Harvard came back. I too went away to school, moved back to Miami about nine years ago. An issue I found is we invest so much into our children, which we should, but it's difficult to attract them back to Miami-Dade County when I think there's so much potential here. It's an awesome place, the seventh largest county in the U.S. So how do you think that we can address the brain drain issue, I guess, in addition to diversifying the economy? A little bit of it is beginning to happen. You know, we are always competing with Atlanta and Washington, D.C., and so on. And, and some of the journalists uh, exaggerate just because they all want to go work for the Washington Post, you know, and New York Times. But um, I, I think some of that is, is, is coming back, and it's in great part due to the improvements that we have made in high tech. Uh, we have some companies that have located here. Francis, my, my son, the mayor of Miami, is much better able to, to explain all of this because he's gotten into it a great deal. But one area that I really, really think we can do well in is anything having to do with resilience, anything having to do with um, the um, ecology. Uh, we have some companies here who have patents, for example. Uh, I've supported one of them a great deal, patents for um, composite rebars. They're rebars that are now made of metal. They're made of a composite, basically dissolved. And they're permeable, so you can build a street with the reinforcement and the, the water flows through, about 35% permeable. Um, they also don't oxidize, they don't rust, and so they don't, you know, they can last, uh, you know, forever, really. And, and so you don't have to replace them after a certain amount of time, and they're very environmentally sound. There's another patent along this, also in the area of resilience, that allows... Uh, the fluids that we need in like in buildings and condominiums like the one I'm in, um, you know, to have like a little dispenser for all the fluids that you would need for all the cleaners and, and detergents and everything else and even stuff that you drink so that people don't have to use the, uh, you know, reusable or, or hopefully reusable packages, you know, plastic and so on that, that cause problems for the environment. So I think in the entire environmental area, um, solar, we, we're in a state where it makes sense to do as I propose to do in, in for affordable housing and public housing. I want every affordable housing unit and public housing unit to have solar energy because you can make money off of that. It's called net return. You can only sell it back to FPNL. Okay. I'd like to be able to have it so you can sell it to your neighbors if you don't need as much energy from your solar panels. Uh, but at least the ones that we build. Now, South Miami got ahead of us and did something that I'm not sure if it's constitutional. They said that any new unit, even those built by the private sector, have to use solar energy. I'm not sure that you can get away with that. But, uh, you know, other commissioners and other people running for mayor have proposed something similar. One of them, uh, who's my friend, Daniela Levinskava, said, 
let's do a study on that. Uh, and I said, no, I don't want to do a study. I want to just do it. And oh, because it's going to cost the, you know, the housing people, it's going to cost too much. It doesn't cost that much. I have, I have a, the same friend, a mental guy that says you can do it for $5,000 a unit. Imagine for an extra $5,000, not having any utility costs and maybe actually selling some of it back to FB&L. Um, and so those kinds of industries can really do well here, among other things, because we do have this very powerful uh, en energy, which is the, the sun that always happens in Miami. I always tell people, if the weather's not looking good in Miami, wait 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly. This is the most bipolar weather, so. Yes. And, and you know, our universities uh, have really begun to catch up. FIU now with the medical school, FIU's law school now has the highest passing grade in the state of Florida, oh, more than UF, I'm sorry, FSU, I'm sorry, and all the other ones, you know, um, and, and UM has improved. I, when I came here, you remember the, you remember the reputation of UM, okay? Uh, you know, in 1975. Now UM is a heck of a campus. The Rosensteel School is amazing uh, on, on uh, issues of the environment. And so we have the talent. We have Miami-Dade College. I mean, Miami-Dade College has gone from being a community college, a junior college, I think it was called, to being one of the best community colleges in the nation. Uh, Dr. Padron was a big leader in that. I taught at Miami-Dade College, by the way. I also taught at St. Thomas. One of the things I bring to the job of being mayor is that I've studied most of the fields that you need to study. You mentioned my colleges, and I appreciate that. But more interesting is the fact that I have a degree in mechanical engineering, I have a degree in public policy, a master's in public policy, one of the best programs in the world at the Kennedy School at Harvard, and I have a law degree. So the bureaucrats can't confuse me too much, you know, and uh, I can see right through their complicated acronyms and everything else, everything's an acronym, you know, and I tell them, listen, you got to simplify that because the voters that elect me, they need things in a way that they can understand it. And they don't understand, frankly, how we're using up $9 billion of their money. And they're not seeing a lot of results. So that's going to change. There's a huge disparity in terms of distribution of wealth in, in Miami-Dade County. And I think one step for us to really be this world-class city that I believe Miami should be to compete with a New York City or a London is addressing that issue, obviously, in addition to transportation. So how do you propose we close that wealth gap? 62% of the people in Dade County spend more than 50% of their income, disposable income, on either housing or transportation. I already talked about making transportation free. That's about 10 to 15% of the entire disposable income. Affordable housing, a little bit tougher, not not, but we can do it. Um, I want to spend 1% of the entire operating budget of the county, 50 to $60 million. The figure that was put forth by impact, I'm sorry, PAC, people acting for community together, um, and that Daniela uh, also supported. Um, when we first broached that subject about four or five years ago, I proposed a resolution at $50 million a year for affordable housing. That would double our effort, which is about $50 million a year. Um, and uh, so the commission kind of like, to try to get a majority, we ended up doing 10 million, and then the mayor said, "Yeah, but we're going to put it. Uh, we're going to try to get it from savings halfway through the year's budget. In other words, the mid-year." 
when we do the adjustment to reflect uh, savings or, or losses. And by the time he whittled it down, it was $387,000. You could build two units, you know, instead of 50 million or 10 million. Uh, that's not going to happen. You know, I'll put it in the budget. Uh, a couple of commissioners have been against using general revenues for that purpose for affordable housing, but we'll be able to, we'll be able to get enough uh, new commissioners that I think will be favorable. I mentioned some of the names already. I can mention some more. Um, but, um, yes, I'm curious. I only heard that one. Uh, did I mention Dania Cohen Higgins? Yes. Uh, Rene Garcia, the former senator. He's, you know, easy. Uh, uh, Keon Hardiman, uh, Raquel Regalado, uh, and then uh, up north, a little bit controversial for some people, but I'm supporting Sabrina. And, See, okay. Um, but this is, I know this is somewhat sidebar. I've always felt, so these, most of those names we've, we've all heard before, whether they served in the state legislature or in the school board. Not Danielle Cohen-Higgins, not Sabrina Fulton. Okay, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword because people will judge you saying that you don't have any formal political experience, but no one is born, you know, with a resume. So, so it's like you have to start somewhere. Yeah, I, I have to admit that that happened to me a little bit with both uh, Danielle Cohen-Higgins and Sabrina. I, I had not met either one. Sabrina, of course, is known for being the mother of Trayvon Martin, so there's already something that entitles her to have a voice on issues of uh, killings and, and crime and so on. Um, but Danielle Cohen-Higgins uh, is like you said, I mean, I, I checked all the boxes. She's an attorney. She's very, very charismatic. She's obviously very intelligent, and and I saw that she was a hustler. She was out there going to every forum. All of a sudden, they said, you're not going to go to an election on August 18th? Okay, fine. I don't care if it's a special election in December or January. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to make sure somebody of her quality gets elected. And that's the other factor. If you're already an elected official in a position of power, it is your duty to endorse new candidates and help them financially. Um, People say, well, can you really can you really defeat some of these incumbents? You know, they got very upset with me when I didn't support one of my colleagues on the commission two years ago. I don't even want to mention that because he's still on the commission. He's got two more years. Uh, okay, but I did mention that many years ago when the county commission, um, be, uh, no, they didn't have single-member districts. By the way, I'm the person that brought about with Carrie Meek and a few others, single-member districts in the county. I was the second plaintiff. Terry Meek was number one. And then the school board, I was the first plaintiff. But the case is named Xavier Suarez versus the school board of Bay County. So anyhow, at the time, there were multi-member districts. And three incumbents were not doing a good job. Um, and I don't necessarily have to mention the names, but uh, we went after the three incumbents that were least effective. People said, why are you doing that? I remember Alex Dowd, the mayor of Miami Beach, who later had his own problems saying, Suarez, why are you doing this? You, you know, and I said, because we need good new commissioners. And guess what? We elected three new ones. We elected, at the time, we had, Pinellas was one of them. And the other one was uh, Larry Hawkins, and the other one was, uh, uh, it, it'll come to me. Oh, Charles Dusso. Okay. And they were three great new commissioners that took the place of three. They were not corrupt. They were just ineffective, you know? And, um, and, and, and that's what we do. And that's what the, the obligation is of someone who is in office. 
I've supported so many young people um, for office, and most of them, many of them have gotten elected on both sides of the aisle, which is another thing. I'm independent. If you give me a good Democrat, I'll support him. If you give me a good Republican, I'll support him. And, um, and if you give me a bad one from either side, I won't support them. I don't care because I, 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 I'm not partisan. I, I go for quality and, and for energy and, and for people who believe in public service. By the way, as mayor of Miami, I make $5,000 a year. As commissioner in the county, my salary got a 20% raise to $6,000 a year. When, when, when people have hinted that I do this for private gain, I go, listen, you know, with all my degrees and all my experience, 45 years of, of being a practitioner in the law with an AV rating, which is the highest rating you can have, I can make money, okay? I've never lacked for it. And I certainly don't make it from government. Uh, so I don't do it for that reason. Um, I do it because I, I think that we owe it to the people of Miami-Dade County to use the resources wisely. Right now, a black family typically in the United States has a net worth, okay, of one-tenth, one-ninth of what white families have. And mostly it's the homesteads and the homes. And, um, you know, we have to figure out a way to have capital formation in minority communities. We're beginning to do that in the county. We're using 35, 36 million dollars of the CARES Act for microloans. And uh, we talked a little bit last night about some of the entities that are getting some of the county money, uh, you know, like the Beacon Council, uh, Great Miami Visitors and Convention Bureau that, uh, you know, have to step up too. you know, if not, we'll change the way we allocate that money. Right. And yeah, all about economic development and beyond just grants and loans. And it's funny that you mentioned, like you said, it doesn't matter what the party affiliation is, you're looking for the best candidate. I was talking with Mrs. Dawkins the other day and she was telling me, you know, one of my favorite people is a Republican and I just love him. He was talk she was talking about Francis. So it doesn't matter, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, you are looking for the person that's best serving the community. She would knock on her door across uh, the park there, Charles Hadley after playing ball and Nancy, we need a little bit of something to drink. Cause you know, we, at the time you didn't go everywhere with a water bottle or a thermos or something. And she would welcome us and give us uh, She loves you guys. I mean, the, everyone loves the Suarez brand. That's what I was telling Francis. That's it. They like Francis sometimes a little more than the old man, but you know, I'm trying to do my best to keep up with him. I mean, he has strong shoulders to stand on. It's, it's about building. So thank you for your humility. These last three questions are a part of my fire round. So I'm just going to ask you something and you okay. forgot the first thing that comes to mind. Quick. What was the last thing that you ordered on Amazon? A book. Okay. Do you care to share the title? I don't remember. I ordered so many. That's it may have been the latest uh, book by uh, Bob Woodward uh, on the uh, administration of, uh, I guess, on the Trump administration. Okay. If you can have one superpower, what would it be? One superpower? Yes. You mean like me or you mean like a national superpower? Like you can have a superpower. I want to eliminate poverty. That's very noble. So you're not going to fly or be invisible or read people's minds. I already have a pretty good vertical, so oh, okay. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. <laughs> And for someone who is really enthusiastic and wants to 
find you online, help with the campaign, learn more about you? How can they find you through social media or the website? I owe you the actual website. Um, and uh, I don't remember, but please uh, write me an email to my name, Xavier Suarez, and then the letters ESQ, okay, for, for Esquire, because I'm a lawyer, just the first three letters at AOL.com. I have the old system. And or call me at 305-496-8484. I'll tell you the 8484 is very easy to remember because it was the nickname of the person who is now the mayor of Miami, and it stands for T-I-T-I. We used to call him T-T. Aww. Don't tell him for that. So you gave your number out just like Francis did. Just like you did. I see where he's He used to be his number. Aw, that is very cute. Commissioner, I appreciate all of your wisdom and insight and you taking the time to speak with us. I'm sure everyone will also find this very helpful. You know, of course, I wish you the very best I just got a text from your dad a couple of days ago. I don't know if it was in anticipation of this or what's going on, but uh, give him a big hug for me. I definitely will. Thank you. Well, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Likewise, and God bless. Thank you. God bless. Bye. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode of Brit Happens. If you like what you heard, Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google. You can also find me online at www.brithappens.com and on social media, Instagram or Facebook at Brittany Sharpton. See you next time.